Welcome to the Ditch the Suits podcast, where we get real about the stuff no one in the financial world wants you to know about. Learn how you can better manage your family's wealth while protecting it from financial exploitation and so-called financial advisors. Here's to your financial awakening. Welcome your host, Steve Campbell and Travis Moss. Well, welcome back to episode three of the Ditch the Suits podcast. I'm Steve Campbell here with your co-host, Travis Moss. Today in this episode, we want to talk about financial freedom. Last episode, we broke down this concept of wealth and we asked you the question, are you wealthy? Today, we want to talk about financial freedom and the things that may be influencing you. So stay tuned. So Travis, in our last episode, we spent an entire time talking about this concept of wealth. And in the middle of it, we let listeners know that you can't remove money from that equation because money is what actually is the tool that helps empower wealth to you. And we talked about this concept of financial freedom. So let's now pivot into the road to financial freedom and having a proper understanding of money and the role that it plays. So one of the challenges that money does uh, when you have money, when you've accumulated money, or when people perceive you as having money, this happens a lot with small business owners, right? Mm-hmm. Is you tend to be asset rich and cash poor sometimes, or um, you know, just because you own a business doesn't mean you've got piles of money laying around. In fact, um, you know, we do a lot of work with people who are very philanthropic, and one of the things that always get drives me nuts is that a lot of times the organizations that are asking them for gifts think that they just you just have money, just give it away. You know, it's like not a big deal. Just like people are just waiting for some, but something to give money to. Right. And it's like, you know, that's somebody who's been financially successful. That's not actually how they think about it. Like, I'll just give it away. You know, they right. may make an investment into their community or investment into your organization. They're not just thinking, give it away. So I think sometimes having money or being perceived to have money uh, creates like a target on people's backs, whether it's family members. I mean, there was, I watched this documentary a while ago and they were talking about professional athletes and how many professional athletes go bankrupt. And mm-hmm. they talked about all the, 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 the family dynamic people showing up. You didn't even know you were related to asking for money. Right. But one of the biggest things that they, they, they focused on, it was an episode on ESPN. It, this is like years and years and years ago. They actually talked about the financial abuse from professionals you know, accountants, CPAs, agents, financial advisors, those types of things. Um, so, so people who have become successful kind of become a target for everything, whether it's people trying to get their money in some way or another, or whether it's people trying to work with them so that they can charge fees so that they can, you know, essentially get their money, but it's not always nefarious. A lot of times it's just, you have money, so you can pay our fee. So I want to work with you, whether or not you need the, the services or whether or not we bring value to you is a different story. You know, it's it it, but it's a target. It creates a target for somebody. Um, and when I first started in the financial industry, one of the very first people I ever met with, um, everything that I had been taught about from the financial industry was you have to save your money, right? And then you have to live off a certain amount every year, and you have to put it in mutual funds, and it has to be index funds, or it has to be annuities, or whatever, right? There's this special way that the financial industry thinks you're supposed to handle your money. Right. And if you're not on board, you're doing it wrong. And you're essentially like, it's, you know, you're kind of, it's a tough, you're going to be hard sold by everybody you come encounter in, into contact with who's going to tell you how you're doing it wrong. Right. Right. And uh, so this guy was a retiree from IBM and he had, and he was in the seventies. You don't know that he had a great pension and great social security. 
Um, he was widowed, so it was just him. Uh, he's he's financially, I mean, he had a couple thousand dollars a month extra in income. So financially, he was set, and he had this half million dollar four hundred one k balance, and I and he was giving it away in chunks every year to the kids. And I'm like, you're not supposed to do that. What are you going to do when inflation comes to get you? And, you know, this is a guy in his seventies who's got extra money every month, right? Um, you're supposed to, you know, four percent rule and all this other stuff, and we gotta, you know, you gotta pay me so I can I can handle this for you. He didn't need any help. Um, you know what he said to me? He turned around. He goes, you know, I went to my uh, daughter's house last summer, and I hung out in the garage that I had given her money to do the, I think to put a roof on the garage or re-roof it or something like that, but basically do a major home improvement, uh, possibly build the garage. I don't remember because it was a while ago, but basically I gave her money to build the garage and I'm hanging out in the garage and I'm watching my grandson play basketball on the driveway that I had, you know, that I gave them money to pave in the best with the basketball hoop that, you know, I gave them money so that they could buy him. And they've sent him to camp because I gave him money to send him to camp. The point there was not, he wasn't bragging about the money that he gave them. The point was that is what I want to do with my money. I get to experience my family experience with having some extra money means. Right. Right. And it, none of those things are wasteful. I don't think anybody would say, you know, home maintenance or an addition on your home or paving your driveway or a basketball camp for your kids is wasteful. Right. So his point was, I've got money. I don't need back to, you know, the quote that we used in the previous podcast with, about generosity and about having all that you need. I've got money. I don't need. Um, and instead of waiting for me to die, which might be like 20, 30 years from now. And, you know, by then everybody's older and they don't need the money. I'm gonna, I get to sit here and enjoy what they would be doing with the money in the first place. But I, I'm I'm healthy. I get to go and be a part of it. Right. And it was, it was so against everything that I had been taught with financial planning and investment management. Right. It was you're gonna run out. You don't want to run out of money. And he's like, Yeah, I do. <laughs> I hope I run out of money. I hope I don't die with a bunch of money in my bank account that my kids didn't get to enjoy and I didn't get to be a part of it. Back to that idea of what wealth is, right? He was already financially free and he had extra money. So he became generous with it, right? Generous in a way that supported his definition of wealth, right? right. And that was the experience with the kids and the grandkids. And, uh, you know, and I think that that gets to something underlying here that the financial industry cannot get right because it's not designed to. The financial industry measures your balance sheet or your account statement. How much money did you make from today? And you ever notice it's always what you make over the last year, right? It's always this last, like, why? Why did we pick exactly 12 months to measure how much you made? I don't know. It's just kind of a way that we're programmed. But it's all about how much money you have. And the funny thing about anybody with money who's had a hard time with health for themselves or somebody in their family, they're going to tell you that Time is way more valuable than money, right? right? If you die with $2 million, but didn't get to do that dream trip to Italy with your kids, take them home to meet their relatives or whatever, right? What would you give if you died with 1.7 million, but you got that trip, would it have been worth it, right? right. Are people really going to complain because they didn't get that inheritance 
but they got the experience instead, right? Like time is one of those things that you can't buy. Nobody can buy it. You get what you get. And when it's over, it's over, right? When you're, when you, when you're out of time, you're out of time. And so this whole idea that, um, money can satisfy you. It just simply can't because it's, it, it just can't buy you more time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're able to become financially free and, and when you understand what wealth means to you and you can use your money to leverage the satisfaction you get out of that, that is, I mean, that's what we're going for. And when you're thinking about financial advisors in the financial industry, I don't think people think about that, right? I think it's all about, you know, think about the commercials, um, you've got the, they always put a yacht or these people that are on, they, to me, they look like vacation homes cause they're so nice, but these big, beautiful homes on the lake or on the water, on the ocean someplace. And they're talking about how you don't have to worry about anything. Right. Or they talk about risk management, you know, what they didn't lose when the market crashed or what they made when the market went up or how you don't have to worry. You know, you, they used to have that commercial where they had the dots and you had to put a dot on a wall for the longest you know, near the year for the the oldest person that you know, right? That's kind of almost like fear mongering. I know somebody who's a hundred, so therefore I should plan to live to 110, right? And how much money might I need when I'm 110, right? Which is a really kind of weird thing to be thinking about because life for a 110 year old is not the same as life for a 55 year old with kids going into college, right? Like you can't even get your head around it. So you know, the, the financial industry is focused on the dollars you see on your statement, not how you use those dollars. They don't want you to actually use those dollars so much as they want those dollars indefinitely to be growing on that statement because, Hey, that's how you charge fees. Hey, well, and when we laid the foundation for why we created this podcast, we said that there may be people listening to this that currently have a financial advisor and are trying to figure out, does this still make sense? Maybe they're thinking about for the first time going out and trying to find somebody. What we are trying to do is help you understand that if you have values and you know what it is that you care for and you're working towards, then a good financial planner will help understand what is this all for? And then accelerating the use of money to do those things even better. If you're meeting with somebody who says, well, everybody that has X amount of money like you always does this, run, okay? Because what you want somebody to do is say, let's figure out who and what's important to you. What is it that you want to do to that story you just shared about? And how do we do it using the money that you have? If you happen to have more money, fantastic. We could probably do more with it. But you want somebody that can understand the values that make you who you are And then using your money as a tool to help accelerate those things at a greater rate to get you more satisfaction, not once you're gone, but while you're here. That's what somebody's job is. And financial planning can never be a vanilla blank slate, one size fits all. Everybody with $5 million always does this. Because again, as we just talked about in our last episode, everybody's experience is different. Everybody has different home lives. Everybody yeah. has different yeah. different family upbringings. Everybody has different people wanting something from them. And how do you make sense of when you can actually do something and when when it's in your you know will to be able to help somebody? 
So a, a good planner will come alongside you and understand these things to give you a filter through making healthy decisions so that you can feel good, just like that gentleman that you spoke about. And so for somebody out there, if you're listening, you said, you know what? I'm not, I'm not getting that. I'm not being asked probing questions that are really understanding or really helping me think in a stimulating way that I've never thought before, then money really becomes that thing that throws gasoline on the dreams that you have. Because partners, you and I have talked a lot. I think the individual person at their core has great dreams, aspirations, and wants to do the right thing. It's more so the execution of how somebody goes about doing those things that makes or breaks a plan over the long haul. It's well, I not- think, go sorry, ahead. Uh, but I, I think that what happens is, is you go out um, and you're going to have an experience with somebody or, mm-hmm. or learn through somebody else's experience um, when you're talking about money. And with money comes the concepts of investments and taxes and financial planning and how much do I save and how do I spend the money that I do have in a responsible, like good stewardship manner. Yep. And the challenge that everybody has is we all, the entire financial industry sounds like a room of echoes. Everybody's Mm -hmm. saying the same thing. And they're all talking about how they're going to make you more money. They've all got some kind of cool gimmick that's better than somebody else's about how they're smarter about investments. And 90% of the conversation tends to be about investments. You go and you meet somebody, what's your statements? What's your net worth? How are you investing? Who made those decisions? What firm are you using? Look at all the research we do, whatever it is, right? And it all sounds the same. Normally, when we meet somebody for the first time, whether they've been working with an advisor or not, a lot of times those people are coming to us going, uh, are expecting, they're leading with their statement. They're like, here's my statement. And we're like, I don't care about your statement. That's not, that's honestly not what's important about you right now. And it and it's disarming, but it's the truth. Like you are not defined by how much money or what investments you owe. Like that mm-hmm. doesn't define anybody. That's a means to an end, basically. That is, I need to make a certain amount of money off of my money so that I could be financially free. But that doesn't define who you are as a person. Right. And so the challenge is, though, that the fina- entire financial industry, not entire, but most of it, the noise is all about your money and how much money do you have? Do you have even enough money to talk to a financial advisor? I've had clients to come to me. That says, well, we would have come sooner, but we didn't have enough money and we were embarrassed and they had $3 million. Now, you know, there's firms out there that only work with people more than five, 10, $20 million. We'll work with a client if they have $50,000 or if they have $20 million, it doesn't matter. You, you still have financial needs in there. You still have to put in perspective what money actually means. Right. And how do you work with the resources that you have? But it, it, it shocked me when they said that, because I said, you know, well, I, I'll tell you this, 90% of their planning has actually been about family and philanthropy mm-hmm. and, and tax management. I'll throw tax management in there. 10% of the time that we talk is actually about the investments, right? Because the investments, once you put them in perspective, what they're supposed to do for you, right? That's the least part of the conversation because that's systematized. Right. The the The, the real part is, is, drawing a blueprint of what your money's actually supposed to do for you. What's it supposed to achieve? How should we treat it? Right. 
Um, that's the key there. And the entire industry is sitting there going, it's all about how much money you have. Right. Or it's all about whether or not we charge less fees than that guy over there. None of them actually talk about what you get for your fee. And they all say, yeah, we do the same thing. We do the financial planning and make the, you know, the green line or the orange line or the red line or whatever line, the commercial, you know, you see the commercials. They're all telling you, yeah, we take care of you. You don't have to worry about anything with us, really. Because most of the people that I've met that are coming to us that have accumulated money and we start asking them certain nuances about their planning. No, they say, nobody's ever asked me these questions before. Why has nobody ever asked me these questions before? Right. And it's because it's simply just about how much money you invest with most firms. Yep. That's the challenge. The challenge is you have to somehow get over the discussion about how much money you have and into the, the self-exploration, I guess, of what that money can do for you and the things that are important to you. Um, but that's, you know, there's a thing in the industry called story-based selling. They, they write books about this stuff. When I first started in the profession, they wanted you to, um, uh, there was books that they gave you so you could learn how to tell people stories. Right. And so if I could tell you an interesting, and this is why all the marketing and financial industry is, let me tell you the story about how these guys manage money, right? Or let me tell you the story about how we're so good at what we do. Um, because people supposedly can relate to stories better so they can create an emotional connection but it 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 ultimately all comes down to so don't you want to move your money over to us so we can manage it for you and charge you this fee or commission right the the mm -hmm. story always ends the same way it's a happy story people got what they want and they got what they want because they gave us their money right right i'm going to tell anybody that wants to listen you can get what you want regardless of if you give us your money right that's the easy part is, is giving somebody your money to invest. The hard part is finding somebody who can actually help you get what you want. We worked with clients a lot of times and we don't have many of them because they just don't make it long with us that are just worried about how many dollars they have. They don't care about anything. They're just watching that chart go up, 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 up. And we do, and I think we do a very good job, you know, on the investment side of things, but we don't relate very well with somebody who is just worried about that money going up, 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 up. Because there's always somebody out there that did better mm -hmm. or something they read, some magazine they read or some investment they missed. A great, a great quote for this is um, uh, when economic growth is slow or negative, the markets are weak, but most people worry about losing money and disregard the risk of, of missing opportunities. All past corrections look like missed opportunities except this one. So what, what that means, and this is essentially what's happening with everybody because how we've been conditioned is we're so worried about that balance and how big that balance is. We forget what that balance can actually do. We don't understand the, um, the, the, the utilization or the utility of that balance. And so we're just convinced on, or we're just worried about that net worth that comes off of having a big balance. And then when the market gets rocky, like think about last year with COVID, right? The market crashes. All we can think about is losing our status because of that balance. We're not thinking about the things we can't do all of a sudden because we didn't connect the two. We're just thinking about, I had 4 million. Now I got 3 million. Oh my gosh, I only have 3 million. Nobody's thinking, okay, I had 4 million and I could do X, Y, Z. Now I got 3 million and what can't I do? Most of the time it's just 4 to 3 million and I'm concerned about that dip. And that dip is actually 
psychologically the hardest time to actually take advantage, but the most, from a statistical standpoint, the greatest time to actually be taking advantage of market volatility. And we're missing it because we're so conditioned on, look at how big I got your balance this year. You know, it's like when you go see somebody for your taxes and all they're concerned about is showing you how much, look at, I erased your tax bill. Erasing your tax bill normally means I kick the can down the road. So where's it going to show up later if I got out of it this year? And is it going to cost me more later just so I can feel good about today type of thing? Not all the Mm -hmm. times, but a lot of times that's how that works. Um, So we really, you know, when we can look backwards, we always go, geez, why didn't I do something when the market dropped and then, you know, it all came back. And those same folks who are saying that every time it happens, they're the ones saying this time's different. I know it's different. Why? What's driving that behavior? It's 100% because we're worried about the balance and we're not thinking about what we were trying to achieve with that money in the first place. Well, Travis, for anybody listening, you may have just blown their mind that you're telling us that a financial planner just told them it's not all about their investment statement balance and that there may be questions that they've never been asked that maybe should, they should be thinking about. So there's obviously things that influence how we make decisions and in, in the mindsets that we have. So why don't you shed some light on somebody who may be finding themselves, that they, maybe they've been truthfully spending too much time thinking about the bottom dollar. Uh, what's been influencing where they got to where they are? Yeah. And so I, I also want to make sure I'm not being too harsh on the financial industry. I think that there's there's good financial planners out there. Right that you know do have those conversations with clients but most of the time um there seems to be either an, a, a severe overemphasis on the investment um as like the, the key point of interest or no emphasis at all so you, you tend to either be inundated or left out in the cold um i think anybody who's been really successful financially uh, we'll circle back to that idea that at the end of the day, when they're all done and you're thinking about your legacy, right? And I remember my grandfather was a fairly successful businessman. And, and at the end of his life, I remember thinking about his legacy and thinking about if I were in his situation, what people would think about me and my legacy. Um, if you if you define yourself by how much money you have, uh, you know, money is one of those things. If you if you made a lot of money, you could see how how quickly money can go, right? I right. mean, money money you can make a lot of money, you can lose a lot of money, you can spend a lot of money uh, as fast as it can come, it can go away. Um, so money is one of those things that I think if you um, if you're financially successful and you've, you've kind of crossed the path into like this idea of financial freedom, so you can do what you want to do when you want to do it. I think you start to think about too, what would I be worth if I didn't have any money? Hmm. Right. Or you should anyway, because I think that that gets to the whole discussion about values and about how do you use your money to, you know, amplify, um, the, the, the personal return, um, that you're getting uh, from your money, right? right? So it's not the size of the pile that matters, it's what you do with it that matters. Right. And you know, if, if you were to be out of money tomorrow, did what you do with it make a lasting impact? Whether it's your kids, mm-hmm. whether it's your community, it could just be your life, right? right. If, you, if, if you have a pile of money and, and you're 60 years old and you say, I'm done, 
working. I'm going to go do my thing. And you go and you spend your money. Over the next 25 years, you travel around the world and you experience every culture that you possibly can. Maybe you're a foodie and you try food in every single country you can possibly, you're allowed into, right? And you've gone and you've lived this amazing life. And you're eight, you know, 85 years old and you're out of money. And you're hanging out at home now by yourself. And you're out of money. You got all those experiences that nobody can take away from you. Right. That most people never will have. And so if that was your idea of financial freedom, you got it. You won. Yep. Right? I mean, you absolutely won. Um, if it was to create jobs for people, if it was to, you know, um, create education opportunities, if it was to put your kids through college because nobody in your family had ever gone through college. I had a client one time, their only goal was to put their kids through whatever college they want. And I couldn't figure it out because I couldn't afford it. To them, that is what success meant for their life. If they achieve nothing else, putting their kids, they could they could have nothing at the end. But if their kid got a good education and a good career, that's that's all that mattered to them. Right. And and who is anybody else to tell them that they're wrong? So the goal of a financial planner and the goal of the financial industry should be only to help them achieve that. And if they're doing something that is to their own detriment, just to point it out, just to say, look, here are the things you're giving up if you're doing that. Mm-hmm. That you otherwise were likely to have, not make you promises of stuff you would have never achieved anyway, right? Like I it used to drive me crazy. You know, you've got um, somebody who financially isn't going to be able to hit the whole, you know, uh, idea that the financial industry has for people. You know, you've got to save a million dollars before you can retire, and it's got to be investments that we got to manage it for you. They're never going to get there. But they, they never adjust the conversation to say, but this is where you can get. Right. And this is what that can mean for you. I, I've had clients that have come in uh, prior to, to becoming clients and they've come in crying and they're like, I was working with so-and-so and they basically made me feel horrible for having a car payment. Well, you got to have a car so you can get to work. Right. And so what if you got to work part-time a couple extra years longer than somebody else, but then you can enjoy going out to dinner once in a while. Mm-hmm. Right. Um you know, for people who tithe or they give to church or charities and stuff, and that's a big part of their life and supporting that, you know, you've financial advisor are trained to tell you can't afford it. Well, but that's part of your life. So how do we afford it? How do right. we build that in? What does that mean for other things? Does that mean you have to work one more year? Does that mean you got to have a part-time job, you know, um, on the weekends? What does it mean? Find a solution to it, right? Um, and the problems don't go away because you have more money. Or because you're you're running a business, you know, pe- this, people have this idea that if I just had more money, I'd have no problems. You know, right. that there's what is the song out there? More money, more problems. More money, more problems. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if you have more problems, um, but you certainly don't have any problems. You know what I mean? Like like um, you, you, when you when you have those resources. Um, there's more decisions you have to make about how to use them. And those can be paralyzing. Those can Mm -hmm. be terrifying for people. People, a lot of times are, I've accumulated this money and now I'm afraid of making the wrong decision. What if I invest it and I lose it all? So a lot of times people won't invest money when they should be investing. Why? Because they're afraid they're going to lose it because they don't understand how the markets work. Right. Right. They actually, I know a guy and he lost all his money. Yeah. Well, he was buying penny stocks and day trading, right? Don't do that. 
right? Or, um, you know, whatever it is, people a lot of times are not doing things they're supposed to do because they're afraid of making the wrong decision. You know, I can't retire because what if I don't have enough money? Oh yeah. Keep, keep saving then. Yeah. Keep putting money in this account. I've, I've, we have clients that a lot of times they'll come in and we're like, look, you got to get rid of your money. <laughs> and they're looking at us like, what are you talking about? We're like, you're going to have a tax problem if you don't get rid of your money. Right. You love your kids, right? Yep. You have everything you want. Yep. You got some charitable goals. Yep. All right. So what do you want to do with, for the charities and the kids then? Right. Because sitting in your bank account, it's not doing any good. You're just creating more taxes. Well, how do we do that without spoiling the kids? Okay, different conversation. Let's talk about how to work with the kids together. Not, you know, well, let's just close our eyes and pretend that, that you know, our future issue is going to go away. Um, you know, so I think it's really, really important that when you look at how you interact with the financial industry, it's not about the pile of money you have. It's about what you're doing with it to achieve what you would consider personal wealth, you know, whether it's, like I said, I use the example of, you know, educating your children or whatever, whatever that is. Um, and that's where I think that financial industry gets it wrong because it's hard to sell that, right? It's really hard to sell. I could use story-based selling. I could say, Hey, look at this, you know, you're going to be on a beach someday and not worry about anything. Um, I don't have a lot of clients that worry about being on the beach, not worrying about anything. I have a lot of clients that worry about their kids not getting social security or pension someday when they get older you know, or their kids lost their jobs, or they want to relocate to be closer to their grandkids. And what does that mean? You know, those are the problems that people are really thinking about trying to talk through. Well, and if you've ever worked with a financial, you know, planner, financial advisor, and you're in business with somebody and you've been successful, you have money, right? You've done well. Everybody wants you. You got that target on your back, as you said, and you have somebody that's a different financial advisor at a different company, what is usually the thing that they tell you to try to lure you in the door? I can charge you less. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Just, just paying for less for something doesn't mean it's a better experience. If you own a business, you would probably bring a consultant in if you have a problem that you can't fix yourself. You need somebody to step back and take a 30,000 foot view at what your business is doing and find ways that you could be doing things better to save you money to expedite growth and progress into recognize inefficiencies. You would be willing to pay for that because you'd be saving money, time, energy, and be able to uh, reallocate your resources to other things. A good financial planner, and I think, again, exposing and undressing part of the financial services industry, this is not a knock on everybody, but a lot of the industry, the world that we came from, was either I can charge you less, or if I charge you more, I'm going to go ahead and try to show you what I believe is perceived value, uh, that you may get some of these other things, or I invest money in a different way. All of the marketing material and things say they do financial planning. But if you went and talked to a financial planner and said, I'd like to spend three or four meetings or however long it takes, really looking at what I have, the pieces, and I really want to make a life plan, not just a financial plan. I want a life plan. I want to know what my money has the ability to do. I want to make sure my spouse and I are on the same page. I want to make sure I'm having healthy conversations with my kids and I'm not sabotaging them by leaving them too much money. I really want to get this whole thing figured out. Because again, in episode two, we talked about if 2020 did anything for all of us, it allowed us to all hit a reset button and say, maybe I've been working at what I've been doing, but I've never really found the fun in it, or I'm not doing what my money has the capacity to do. And if it's all just about investings and returns and how much money you've made, then you're yeah. really doing yourself a disservice. 
Because again, your life is very different from your neighbor. Your life is very different from your friend at the uh, members club that you're a part of that owns a different business. We all have measuring sticks, but it usually has to do with what we believe is perceived success or financial ability. What if our measuring stick was our values? You know, what, what if I wanted, what if my measuring stick was, man, I want to be a better, a better husband, a better spouse. I want to make sure my employees are taken care of and appreciated. I want to make sure my kids know that I love them and I'm here from them. And the answer isn't always money. When they run into a problem, it's not always money. If these are the things that, again, money can't buy. And I think that is maybe what the industry has collectively gotten wrong is it's not this image of boats and yachts and things. Those are all fun. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, what is it all for? If, if you go to bed with regrets, if you go to bed missing, like you're not living the life that you thought you were living, maybe you've accumulated all this stuff. And right. again, we, we talked about in episode one that I think there's a difference between what, I've, what I'm hoping to experience or my expectation and then what I've experienced. And it's that gap in between that is usually where we get confused or we get anxious or we get worried. But there, you have to understand if you're listening to this, that there has been a lot that has been trying to influence you to help you understand what, what wealth, what money is, what's thrown at you, what's all over, you know, and a lot of these places are built to say, you know, we only work with individuals with so much money. What does that mean? Right. What are they actually doing for you then? You want somebody, right. As you think about these things, driving your values, helping you make sense of it, um, trying to put a purpose behind what you're doing. So you have to understand that there's definitely influences at play. Do you have somebody that's just helping you manage investments or do you help somebody that's building a life plan? And I think in this next segment, Travis, we want to go ahead and give you a little bit of a paradigm shift for for how do we find our way out of maybe some of the stinking thinking or some of this stuff that has found us in this place? How, How do we start to take charge on this road to financial freedom? So now we want to talk about how do you find your way? How do you have a complete paradigm shift, a different way of thinking? Um, how do you find your way out of this if you realize that you've been influenced, good, bad, or indifferent um, by media, things you've seen, breaking down this concept of wealth, money? Travis, how do we shift? So like um, it, this is a, par- a paradigm that we're in, I think, because I think it's obvious to everybody that's kind of like how the game works, but we want to do it differently. And how do you how do you put it in perspective? And that's the the concept of Ditch the Suit. Think about it. Um, what we talked about in episode one is essentially once you become successful, you could, I think, pretty easily look at somebody or spend some time with somebody and say, you know, they're they're faking it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and by but but I think that the issue is is we have to think of success other than just how much money they have. Because somebody could also have money and look at the part, uh, which is really sometimes very confusing, but themselves not be successful, right? So here you are, you're a successful person or somebody who wants to be successful. And you're having people help you that themselves, there's nothing special about anything that they've achieved, right? Whether they themselves are, are not financially successful um, and and I, I've known a lot of people who make a lot of money who don't have anything to show for it. They literally mm-hmm. can't retire themselves, but they're telling people they're trying to give advice to people on how they can retire. Um, or outside of making money, they haven't really done anything, right? Like if you were to say, hey, tell me about your, your greatest success. I don't, you know, what are they going to tell you? Right. Um, so the concept of Ditch the Suits 
is peel the onion and look under, you know, look under the surface, right? Um, but not just for financial success. Yep. Would, so if I were to it, and if I were to hire a financial advisor, and I don't, I don't have kids by myself, you have kids, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself in your shoes for a minute. Mm-hmm. If I were looking for somebody to trust me with stewarding or protecting me from making bad decisions about my financial stability and that of my family mm-hmm. or my business. I think that I'm going to interview that person as if I were hiring, let's say a private, somebody that I'm going to bring into my house that's going to mentor and educate my child on a day-to-day basis, eight hours a day, right? I'm going to be concerned about what influences them if they have personal opinions about things, how do they handle those personal opinions? They push them onto others. Do I agree with the way that they, 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 um, uh, their professional standards, right? Do I'm going to be very, very concerned about is this person successful and live by a value system that is either, again, similar to mine or, I understand and given the situation, I think it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. I've had very, very, very few people come in over the years intentionally trying to sort that out. Right. What I would tell you, the biggest difference, we, this is different than hiring an accountant who's going to do your taxes once a year. Right. Right. They're a problem solver. You go and here's my problem, they fix it. It's different than hiring an attorney who's going to draft your will or going to you know, draft a business agreement or close your house because they're, you know, it's job to job to job. If you're dealing with somebody who you're trusting to tell you when you need to see the attorney, when you need to see the accountant, you know, you're, you're trying, you're, you're relying on somebody who's almost has a very, very close relationship with the things that are most dear to you. In fact, they, you may even share with them things you don't share to anybody else because right. of insecurities or whatnot. Right. Um, you don't want other people to know, right? But you share them with that person because that person can help make sure that they're planned accordingly for. Um, so we need to shift this paradigm shift from, and you know, investments are important and how you make money is important, but from this whole end-all, be-all, I would need the cheapest person available who somehow is, is, an, is an investment genius is going to make me all this money to... This person who makes sense based on who I am to be working with, who also, by the way, has an innate understanding of how to get me from point A to point B based on the path that I, that I think I probably need to take, right. right? To match up with my definition of wealth. So it's more than just, like, if I'm very philanthropic, Mm-hmm. Should I be working with a financial advisor who is absolutely not philanthropic at all? Only if maybe I'm too philanthropic and I need somebody to slow me down. Right. Right. Well, having somebody who doesn't understand why I would possibly give money away and who's going to fight me every time I want to give money to somebody, even though I have obviously plenty extra, mm-hmm. that's a horrible situation. Right, because now you're not going to be allowed to use your money to amplify your wealth without having feelings of guilt. Right, 
that's so wrong. So you want to dig into that and you want to know beforehand. So investments and financial planning credentials, that's important. Right. But equally, if not more important, because those are easy to get, actually. More important is, does this person actually understand the path that I'm going to need to walk down in order to be happy? So when I'm, if I get, if I'm fortunate enough to live till I'm 90 and I'm looking back over my life, I go, I did what I could based on the resources I had. And I'm proud of the job I did. Not, I wish I had done it different, or I'm afraid people are coming after me for my money, right? Which those two scenarios end up often, right? People end up at the end. I can tell you this because I've worked with a lot of people where they're paranoid about people just there for their money, or they're regretting that they didn't do things earlier, right? Um, You don't want to get there, but in order to not get there, somebody's got to be invested in you as a human being and your family as a, as a unit and where you're, where, where you want to get to go. So that's the paradigm shift is that interview. And I've seen the questionnaires and, you know, they give you a list of questionnaires, tell me about your education background, blah, blah, blah. They're all focused on somebody's credentials. And that is important. That's part of it. Right. Right. But the other part of it is, does this person get it based on me and what I need? And like I said, sometimes you need a, a devil's advocate. So mm-hmm. sometimes you're going to bring in somebody to work with that specifically is going to push you to think about things differently because you know you need that. Right. But sometimes you also need somebody to support you. Right. right? And so that's, I think that that's the challenge because that's hard to do, right? You're going to spend time. You have to actually literally interview somebody like you would interview a babysitter, right? And make sure can I trust my kids, my, my two-year-old baby alone with this person, right? You should be thinking about that when you're thinking about um, how you interact with the financial industry. Because the financial industry is not thinking about that, about you. They're thinking right. about how do I get at your money? How do I make more money off of you? Right? Well, so, you so you need to take the, the lead role in saying, I'm going to make sure that I force the issue to make sure that the person I'm working with understands where I'm going. Well, I think it's important to remember you're a consumer, so you have choice, right? There are people that feel stuck either because maybe they got into business with somebody that's a financial professional that they went to college with, that they golf with, that is a family friend. And it's, God, I can't, I can't ever get away from them. Right. But at the end of the day, it's, well, what is it all for? The, the pain will be temporary if, if a change is necessary and, and a change is not always necessary. So we want to preface with, we're not telling you to leave a person if you have a great relationship, but if something is not quite what you thought, or you've never worked with a planner and you're thinking about hiring one, uh, as you had mentioned, I've sat in many meetings where the questions that we ask people have nothing to do with the investment statements. And people say, no one's ever asked me these questions before. How are you in your 60s and 70s and been investing and had working with somebody for 30, 40 years, and you just told me that you really want to be able to do something special for your granddaughter? She always talks about how much she loves that lake house, and no one has ever asked you, well, have you ever thought about giving it to her or thought about a way of doing that? And you see people light up and they sit back in a chair. You know, They look at you and they're like, I would love to do that. So, so why not do that? Why not right. figure out ways? When you really get to know people too, they're fascinating. 
And what I think sometimes we can perceive from the outside of what's important to people. Sometimes you hear people talk about things that they love or they're passionate about. And, you know, when you can get them to be comfortable and open up, all of a sudden, then the planning can shift to, well, then how do we help you do those things? And it's amazing how when you can have somebody rooting for you in your corner, as you said, it is a complete paradigm shift. Because when so much of the people trying to get their attention, that target on their back has been about fees and investments and performance, those things are all important. But you also want somebody that, again, back to episode two, can drive it back to your values. If you leave the person that you're working with and you said your goal is to have better conversations with your kids and your spouse, and every time you leave a potential meeting, you said, wow, we feel like we got a plan where we know how to communicate what's going on and what we can expect. Think about what that does in your personal life. It's not just all money. It's the intrinsic value of the way somebody makes you feel. How much more so than somebody that you've entrusted uh, to help you really manage those day-to-day things and help you achieve your goals? Well, as a, as a, think of yourself as a CEO and, and your money's your business. Right. So maybe you got a business, maybe you don't. Maybe you just got a pile of money, whichever way. A good CEO doesn't do everything. Right. A good CEO hires people mm-hmm. to handle things. They might have a chief operations officer, an investment officer, compliance officer, financial officer, what have you. They generally normally have more than one person. Right. And they normally say, hey, you guys got to help me keep the, 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 thing going forward. And I'm going to coordinate everybody, make sure everybody's on the same page with the vision. That's what a good CEO does. If you're a CEO and you're not doing that, you're, you probably got some challenges there you got to work through, but a good CEO does that. So when you're in charge of a pile of money, that's the same as being in charge of a business. That's essentially what a business is. Right. And you want to put people in there to help you. So if you've got somebody that you like, that does a piece of it, but you're missing this part of it, you don't get you don't have to get rid of that piece of it if they're functioning at a high level. Right. Bring in another piece. You know, as our business grows, we bring in a a, a, a chief financial officer, or a chief operations officer. It doesn't preclude us from bringing in another membership or another person to be on our our management team. But if our managers can't work together, then whichever manager is the problem, they're out. And yep. I'm going to get a new manager to come in there. Because yep. if you can't work with other people and you're in charge of my business. You can't be in my business. You're out. Right? But I'm not going to not bring in the people that I need to get me from point A to point B because you can't work with others. Right? Mm-hmm. And so that is the perspective that you've got to have when you're looking at this. You're the CEO of your money business. And you can bring in whoever you want to, and you should. If you're a CEO of a business and you don't pay people to come in and help you, your business probably isn't going to grow or last very long. You've got to pay people to come in and help you run it. Otherwise, you're going to have a heart attack. So you've got to pay people to come in and help it. So the key is I want to find the right people and give them the right jobs. Right. Right. And so maybe I can have a do it your do it all thing where this one person is just amazing and they can cover three jobs. That's normally not the case. A lot of times I got to find somebody that either is, you know, I, I have to either build a team or I have to bring in multiple people and get them to start working together. Well, you should be looking at it the same way. It's complicated. You know, a $5 million business normally is going to have a couple different managers involved with it. Why shouldn't your $5 million business? If you're serious about make, getting the most out of that money, mm-hmm. that's not about cutting fees. Yes, you want to be you know, aware of your fees, but ultimately you want to make sure that that money unlocks for you whatever you want to unlock in your life. And you put the right people in the right places. And there's a lot of different types of professionals that can help you with that, not just investment managers. 
And so that I think is the big takeaway from this is that if you think about your money as you're the CEO of, of your money business and it's your job to manage that business, the first thing a good CEO does is build a good team. And the first thing they want to know from a team member, aside from credentials, do you fit my culture? Do you see the world the way I see it or are you willing to see the world the way I see it? So we can work together and I know you're going to lead my organization, right? Then the second most important thing is credentials and capabilities. You can have all the credentials and capabilities in the world, but if you're going to fight me in everything, I don't want you here, right? That's the mentality that you have to have with your money business. So for everybody listening, that is the key, I think, to becoming financially successful. So you asked a pretty thought-provoking question in this episode that I want to come back to. If you strip it all away, who are you? You know, if 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 it all goes, who are you? And that's where if you can if you can think in that place, we've talked about values, we've talked about wealth. Wealth wealth can mean different things to different people. Money's the tool. Money's the tool that connects your values to the dreams that you have. I think the big thing that you're trying to bring to is, is who's helping you execute that money in such a way to expedite, to accelerate, to do the things that you want your money to be able to do for you. Not because, yes, there's money to be made in telling the truth. A wise man once told me his name's Travis Moss. There is money. There's money to be made (laughs) in telling the truth. If you can help somebody get to the places that they want to go, they're willing to pay for it but not at the cost of products and high commission things getting in yeah. the way and high conflicts of interest. So we want to give you some things to think about. We've talked about wealth in episode two. We've talked about the road to financial freedom in this episode. As always, we appreciate you for taking the time to stop by, ditch the suits, to empower you to get more from your money in life. Thanks for stopping by. And until next time, we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Ready to ditch the suits? Remember, it's your money and your life. For more information, visit seedpg.com. That's seedpg.com. If this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. And be sure to share with a friend.